the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Salem Media Group. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. Lovely week in the market. Actually, the last seven days in a row, the S&P 500 has closed down. And that is highly unusual. That doesn't happen that often. And you look at the amount of volume that it's had, and it looks like the, uh, I don't know, could be a blow-off top, or a bottom, rather, I mean, a climactic bottom. Sometimes they call it just a climax. You've got this huge surge of volume. Stock prices drop, close near the low of the day. Oftentimes that can mark the low, but I will tell you that something like that happened oh, back in the early part of December. Not quite as severe as this one. So not that it's a big deal, but you know, it looks like it could be this could be the bottom or close to it, but you don't know that until you pass it on the way back up again. So I wouldn't panic. I'm getting a lot of calls, people really, really uh, concerned and and I'm telling you the uh, economy's in great shape if they raise interest rates even one or two more times I don't think that has that big of an impact you're only talking about one quarter of a percent it's not that big a deal yeah everything else is going extremely well the rhetoric is not good uh, the government not getting along that's you know that's causing a lot of people to be upset but in the long run that really doesn't have a big impact on business in the long run the uh, they're going to be certain number of cars needed every year. There's going to be a certain number of houses needed to be built, or increasing population, lots of stuff that people are still going to eat, uh, wear clothes. Well, hopefully they will, they'll wear clothes. <laughs> no. And they'll uh, drive cars, go to work. You know, the whole, Everything that they're doing now, they're going to continue to do. S&P 500 is in the best shape. They're, the balance sheet's in the best shape it's ever been. Ever. Think about that for a second. These guys are in better financial shape than they've ever been in the history <laughs> of the stock market. And so the only thing that's different is today the prices are lower. That's the only thing that's different. Yeah. The growth rates right around the same. It's too early to know. But this is something that's uh it's very interesting. If you look at stock markets, and this is what I'm gonna yeah, I, I'm going to request that as many people do as they can once a week or you know, once, once every other day, keep a little journal. If, you, if you're really concerned about investing, keep a little journal. 
write down what you think should happen in the stock market over the next day or two. And just write that down and write the date down and why you thought that. And then do that for about six months to a year. Okay, Do that for six months to a year. And then I want you to go back and I want you to see what actually happened in the stock market uh, based on reality. And then I want you to compare that to your impressions, what you thought was going to happen. Because what you're going to find out is that it does no good to guess or generate a feeling as to what you think is going to happen in the market. Now, you may get lucky. And this is where it gets really a little spooky. You may get lucky and you may call a top or a bottom, you know, short term, because in the long term, it's going higher. In the short term, your guess is as good as anybody's. And that's what you, that's basically what you're going to prove to yourself. You'll prove to yourself that speculating over what you think or how you feel is not a real good practice. And one of the uh, dangers to doing that, by the way, and one of the dangers to me even suggesting that you do this is if you do get lucky, let's say you got lucky, you said, I, I think this is it. This is the bottom or the bottom's really going to drop out and the market drops another four or five or even uh, 10 or 15 or 20 percent. If that were to happen, you'll think that, yeah, hey, I'm onto something. And I promise you, the uh, if you keep doing that long enough, you're going to find out that it's just it's just harder than that. And you don't need to. You really don't need to do that. So anyway, I'll get off that topic. I know people are really afraid because the market's down a lot. Some people are talking about pulling money. But a lot of people have been pulling money out of the market. Not a good idea. When you look at the closing prices, uh, 1221, or I mean, yeah, it closed it. Actually, this is just the uh, S&P depository receipt. Receipt. That's the um, ETF that represents the S&P. I'm going to pull up the actual S&P, see what the uh, highest closing price was actually September 20th. And then it closed yesterday, 2417. It closed around 2940. So you're looking at a 17.5% drop in a very short time period. I think that's what uh, probably more than anything scares people. Personally, I kind of, you know, I like the Band-Aid approach. I like the fact that markets dropping faster uh, because recovery periods tend to be very quick. I don't know, last year, near the end of the first quarter, there was a big drop. It wasn't quite as large as that one. This one, if if it goes another 2%, it's going to qualify as a, the bear market, a 20% drop of the bear market. You're almost there. And here's the thing, though. Stocks recover so fast. They go up so fast. Nobody talks about that. They, you know, A lot of people talk about how quickly they go down. Nobody talks about how quickly they rebound from a decline. You miss the, the first few days. First few, you've missed the first day. That can be the difference of 10 or 12% in your total net worth inside of one year. Think about that for a second. Could mean the difference of 10% or more inside of one year in your net worth or the total amount of your savings you have in, in stocks. No sweat. 
So the idea is to have an I to already be expecting. And, and at Bullington Capital, we always tell people, listen, I typically keep five years of withdrawals. Most of my clients are older and are withdrawing money now to supplement their incomes. We're going to keep five years worth of withdrawals in a relatively short-term fixed income product, mainly ETFs that buys uh, government bonds, mortgage-backed government securities that have a short maturity. We're going to keep five years. That way, we don't have to worry about a one- or two-month decline. We don't have to worry about a one- or two-year decline, the, uh, which is a really long bear market. And the bear market that started in 2007, November, ended in March of 2009. That was a big one. That was huge. It's over 50%. There were lots of problems. The economy was nowhere near in as good a shape as it is now. So, uh, and when the banks start losing a whole lot of money, that's not good. That That's really not good. We haven't, we haven't heard anything from the banks that would lead us to believe that business is really bad for them right now. In fact, you want to hear something uh, kind of crazy. When the Fed funds rate goes up, the banks are making a whole lot more money. That's the money they have to park with the Fed overnight to meet short-term uh, liquidity requirements. They make a ton of dough on that, and that's risk-free. So, in fact, they'll get to the point where they, at some point in time, where what could happen is the bank loans slow down if interest rates are, are attractive enough just to leave on deposit with the Fed. That's a, you know, it has an impact. Nobody knows exactly what impact that would have today because the numbers constantly change, but it does have an impact. And you can imagine, would you rather make a 3% or a 4 or 5% mortgage loan to somebody on a million dollar property? You know how much the mortgage payment on a million dollar property is? Or would you rather leave that million dollars at 3% guaranteed by the government? <laughs> I think especially if you're paying out less than 3% on a CD. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's a very good business actually. Yeah, I like that business a lot. And this being the the last uh, show of the year, the uh, I thought it was kind of uh, appropriate actually that markets would be having a tough time. This is the first time in in a few years that the uh, end of the year was not very good. I think uh, four out of the last five years it was actually a pretty good time period. So it just goes to show, you know, when you're looking at trying to to pick up on trends those type trends are not the best they, they're not that reliable they'll work until they don't and that's what an awful lot of people don't understand when i say that they go what the heck does he mean why does he speak keep speaking in riddles something works until it doesn't <laughs> now you know a little bit more of what i'm talking about so if you're waiting for the last and, and i was i had even pointed it out you know look the last four out of five years you've had a pretty good december well, this December was not good, and it hasn't been good at all, in fact. So, but that's okay. I didn't really alter anything. It's okay to make those observations. I just wouldn't act on them. In uh, 2019, first seminar, we'll talk about how do you rebalance your portfolio and what kinds of things can you do to try to lessen the impact of a big market decline. You can't avoid it completely, but you can reduce the impact. And th- those are the types of things that, that we do at Bullington Capital. You know, we're spreading it out. We're truly diversifying. 
When I say truly diversifying, I mean we've got every aspect of small cap, large cap, mid cap, international emerging market. We've got all those categories covered. So it's not as bad because they're not all going down at the same pace. See, so having some of those that aren't dropping quite as fast is a benefit. Having categories, having the short-term fixed income that doesn't go down much at all, that's a big benefit. That's, uh, I think the term I've heard one of the wholesalers at one of the big fund companies use was um, buoyancy. <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's actually a pretty good term, buoyancy. The, uh, so you have some money in there for buoyancy. If you're pulling money out of your accounts, you know, you need, I would keep five years. Let's say you're, you're pulling out, I don't know, four and a half percent because that's the, uh, the new number from BlackRock, a sustainable income number. It, it averages four and a half percent, slightly different depending on the situation. You have to actually put it in the computer and punch all these numbers up and then it goes, okay, here's the number. About 80% of the time it comes out to about four and a half percent. Then they expect you to raise that by about a little over 2% each year to keep up with inflation. So if you were to take a four and a half percent withdrawal rate, you've got five years. Roughly 25% of the money you want to keep in uh, something super short-term so that you can fund that for five years. That way you don't have to worry. You can put that out of your mind. Incidentally, you could go 10 years. Let's say if you had 4.5% withdrawal rate over 10 years, you're going to increase it by 2% a year. You're getting interest on that right now. That's in an IRA. That's awesome. So basically you put half your money in something that's guaranteed or you know just lower risk. And the other half of the money you put in stock funds. Now uh, there, I, I just explained asset allocation without using one word that had more than three syllables in it. <laughs> the, uh, that, that's a good idea to go back and review that. Let me tell you something else. The, uh, you get all these questionnaires, these risk questionnaires. Hardly anybody understands what the correct answer is supposed to be. And, and then they want to try to hold people accountable to that. I'm just like, you know, that, that's not a good idea. You know, it is a good idea. How about this? S&P dropped 50% starting in 2000 and it recovered, went back up, went to a new high. It dropped 50% again from, from November of 2007 to 2009. So why don't we use 50% as well? That could potentially happen. <laughs> and in fact, it did happen twice inside of one 10 year time period. And if you go out throughout history, it's not that it, it doesn't happen that often, but if it has the potential, why don't we just use that number for the allocation that we're going to have or for our fluctuation level for our accounts. So if I'm not willing to be 50%, don't put a hundred percent of your money in stock because you will not know when to jump in and jump out. Ain't happening. Yeah, and I see all this stuff, and I've got, I spent at least a hundred grand, no sweat, on systems, software, seminars, and yeah, because remember, I've been doing this about 30 years. That's actually not that much if you break it down over year by year. <laughs> the, uh, but I'm telling you, the, uh, there's no great, there's no good way, and a lot of the ways that used to work, they stopped. Computers have changed the way markets work and uh, they're not going to go back to the old way. So trying to guess when this is going to turn around, not a good idea. What is a good idea, I think, 
is to take a look at your portfolio. How is it constructed? What, what kind of thought process went into the construction of your portfolio? What were you thinking? What was the manager thinking? What was your advisor thinking? Those things are good things. When I put the portfolios for our clients together, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for the buoyancy, that, that term that I heard from the guy from First Trust. The, uh, that's what I'm looking for. The returns are fine. I'm not looking for the highest return. You know why? Because the highest return always has the highest dip. It's the one that goes down the most. Okay. That's the highest return. <laughs> they seem to go hand in hand and much more so than they did when people used to say that. Oh, the more the, you know, the more the return, the more there is. Well, that wasn't necessarily true 25 years ago. In fact, there were a lot of funds who had a fraction of the, <laughs> the risk that, or the fluctuation that the S&P did and had much better track records. Well, today, fast forward to today, that doesn't exist so much. That's like the, uh, I don't know, that jumbo shrimp that weighs 25 pounds I'm still looking for. Yeah, if it's out there, <laughs> I'm not sure where it is. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So, But it's not like it's the end of the world because what you have left is really good. You've got... You can invest in small cap companies who overweight those companies that are paying dividends, overweight those companies who are generating cash. Those tend to be a lot less volatile over time, even though they're smaller. They tend not to move in lockstep. That's a big key. They don't move exactly the same way that the S&P 500 does. Sometimes they're actually uh, going up when it's going down. That's not as often as it used to be. But many of these categories don't drop quite as quickly, and then they recover more quickly. Most dividend-oriented funds have a tendency to recover faster. So I hear the music. That means I have to take a commercial break. You listen to Bill Bullington right here on 1420 The Answer. We'll be back after these messages. I heard the bells on Christmas Day They're all familiar carols play And mild and sweet their songs repeat you know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen, but do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. All right, hey. Kind of quiet out there before Christmas Eve. You'd like to call us 216-901-0945. I got to tell you, I haven't been this excited about stocks in a long time. See, they're down now, almost 20%, a little over 18, which is really good. I know nobody wants to hear that, by the way. But some of the stocks had gotten ahead of themselves, and I'm not a big fan of that. I really am not. Yeah, uh, this correction is normal. It's it's actually what to to be expected after you've had a big run like the one we've had, because that's basically how stocks work. There are lots of opportunities now, which are really this is this is a good time. If you're looking at trying to put money to work, I would not try to time that up. I would just start putting some money in, like now. The uh, I think the. Valuations are extremely attractive on an awful lot of stocks. Could the market still drop? Well, it can always drop, you know, and it can always go up. And I will tell you the, the rebounds, 
the rebounds tend to be so fast that it's just almost impossible to catch it if you're not already there. So it's a really good time to, to sit down, talk to your advisor, find out, hey, what am I doing here? The, uh, am I doing the right things? And then uh, and listen to what they have to say. If you don't understand why you have a fund, ask them about it. You know, people ask me all the time. In fact, we set up a, a website so that when they can't get a hold of me, they can go right to their website. They can see all their positions. There's a research tab on that portal that we set up. And they can look up the fund themselves, and I'll even show them how. I'll show them how to, to identify the stocks within those funds. It's uh, Actually, it's right there. You just type in the symbol, and it'll show you the, uh, the fund, the performance, the holdings. And we're doing classes. This year, we're doing classes. We're, we're going to have an informal investment club. Uh, investment. <laughs> I can't even speak. An informal investment club. We're going to show you how to look at this stuff so that you have the same kind of calm, the same kind of confidence that I have. And uh, why is that important? Well, I don't know. Keep you from jumping out a window when the market's down 20%? <laughs> I'm just kidding. The uh, Just kidding. But it's calming. The more knowledge you have, the more relaxed you can be. The more you don't have to keep asking your advisor questions because you don't understand. And a lot of those questions hardly ever get asked to begin with because a lot of people are uh, hesitant to, to talk to their advisors and, and admit that they might not understand something. Um, and I would uh, say, no, nah, you, you need to know it. You know, if you want the calm and peace of mind that comes with investing, there's a lot of, there's knowledge there that's going to help. There's knowledge there. It's great to have somebody that you, you trust implicitly. But I will tell you, I have a better relationship that it, we're more effective. Clients do better who understand what and why we're doing what we're doing. And it, it's doable. And that's my uh, goal this year. I just signed a, a contract or actually I just uh, paid for a company to come in and help me put together a course because I've been doing this in whatever spare time I've been. <laughs> I've had, which is not a lot, and it's not a. Um, uh, it never came to fruition the way that I wanted it to. So these guys are going to come in. They're going to take care of all the hard stuff. I'm going to provide all the content. They're going to shoot the videos, edit the content, ask questions because they're not financial people. That I, I picked them purposefully. I did not want somebody who had a lot of experience in the business. I want people who don't have any experience because when they don't understand. The answer to a question, they're going to say, hey, we didn't really understand that. And we're going to do it again. So that's kind of exciting. 2019 coming up here. Just giving you a few brief details. We're going to use a particular model that I talk about on the radio here. We're going to use that as the basis of how to do research on companies. And I, I did get a company. And by the way, I have to apologize. Somebody called in. I, I owe a gift card. I still have your card in my wallet. I just found it <laughs> on the way here. I will send that out uh, this week for sure. I, I'm really sorry. I, actually, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll send you two because I delayed it so long. And anyway, if you'd like to, uh, if you have a question that you'd like to send to me, this is all going through my head at the same time. You can send it at bill at bullingtoncapital.com. Uh, and I wanted to talk about, the, uh, I think I talked about one of the stocks that somebody had called in uh, and written about. And it was a very small company. Uh, and it's okay. 
the uh, but that's the kind of thing that I'd really like to do in 2019. This is fun. I mean, it can be fun. I know right now it's probably very painful for, for most people. But when you learn this stuff, what happens is you relax. When you get it, you're right. And it's not that hard. It really isn't that hard. I think a big part of, of what I'm going to try to do with that course and 2019, all the educational stuff that we do, is try to really, really simplify it. Uh, put some resources out there that people can go to and uh, get the information that they need so that they can just relax. Just relax. When somebody says, the Dow's down 400 points. You go, uh, yeah, that's only 1.8%. <laughs> Not that much. <laughs> and that's one of the tricks. That's one of the keys to relaxing the market. You have to think in percentages, not points. You think in percentages because when somebody says, that was down 400 points, you know, that's upsetting. <laughs> when somebody says, eh, how much is the dot on? Eh, 1.8. Oh, that's not back to work. <laughs> so the uh, NASDAQ took it harder than that. It was down uh, 3% or 2.99. Still not the end of the world. S&P down 2%. You know, there have been... More 2% range days since the year 2000 than there were in the entire 60 years before that. More 2%. So when I'm talking about things are changing, they are changing. And uh, that's it's not that bad. Actually, it, it creates opportunities, particularly in that value model that I run. I really like that thing a lot. And uh, you know, we'll talk about that at the next seminar. We haven't set the date for that yet, by the way. So when it when we do, it'll be up on my website uh, right away. And we're gonna go through this stuff. That's that's kind of one of my hallmark um, portfolio management strategies is the uh, the value. I haven't been even haven't even been doing it that long uh, publicly. I mean, the research went on for a long time before that, and uh, I still like the momentum. Um, they're both down. They're both. They're not down the exact same amount, which is good. One's down a little bit more than the other, which means if you had all your money in one and not the other, uh, you'd probably be a little bit more upset. That's the whole idea behind diversification. And then um, we've got some dividend models. We'll, we'll talk about the dividend model that I ran. There, there's got to be five different ETFs that are doing the exact same thing. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I thought I was being really unique when I rolled that out. <laughs> But in this day and age, if somebody hears of an idea, uh, there's a firm out there that can put it together and make it happen and make it available to the public. So that's good and bad. I think the, the good part is that there's a lot of choice. The bad part is that there's a lot of choice. <laughs> and you have to make decisions. And it's tough to make decisions if you don't have a good basis for evaluating something. And looking at the uh, past performance, man, that is like one of the, that's like third or fourth on the list. You really need to know how much risk they're taking. Risk is the, it should be the key. Should be the key driver behind everything that you're doing. Manage the risk. If you don't manage the risk, you're going to have a big problem at some point in time. If you don't know how to manage the risk, that's a problem. That's easy to do. That's, I mean, it's easy to uh, figure out. The next seminar, all seminars, we'll be talking about this. Got a uh, a course definitely is coming out sometime this year, probably I would say May or June. Got the Lookout for the Bull website going up that will talk about that, that will reinforce that. 
And that's another thing I think one of the things that an advisor can do for their clients is reinforce what you already know. Reinforce what you already know. You know, when you look at Tiger Woods or any of the a great golfer or great football players, great basketball, any athlete, any professional athlete has coaches. They all have coaches. Why do they have coaches? Do they not know how to play basketball? Does, does LeBron not know how to play basketball? Yeah. Why do they have coaches? The coaches are there because they're a third party. They're observing and they're not in the heat of the moment. They're observing what's going on. And a good coach can step up and say, hey, you know, maybe when this happens, you want to adjust and do this. And they go, oh, yeah. Now, it's not like they don't know it. It's just that in the heat of the moment, sometimes you forget. And you need somebody to step in and say, hey, you broke your elbow when you hit that last backhand. You need to keep that straight. And they go, oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. So because in the uh, heat of a competition, uh, you can start to forget things. When markets are uh, crashing or flying, either direction, it's easy to forget things. Come back to the basics. Come back to the fundamentals. And I'm going to make it, uh, I was, you know, I, <laughs> I just decided this just a uh, couple days ago. Remainder of my career, I'm going to add something to what I've been doing, and that's trying to uh, put an educational level. I'm going to step that educational level up and try to uh, bring a higher educational level to the general public and anybody that's in, interested in investing. Because here's the thing. At a 2 or a 3%, even a 4 or 5% CD, that's really hard to, to live on. And think about that. If you had a, a CD that was paying 4%, which don't exist right now, they might, you know, within the next year or two, hopefully, maybe, but if you had a 4% CD and you had a million dollars, that only gives you 3,500 bucks a month. That's 40,000 bucks. It only gives you $40,000, which you have to pay taxes on. And the taxes, so you're, you're talking about not a lot of money to live on. So your kids, like your grandkids, kids that are like 12, kids that are like 20, they're actually going to have to accumulate Several million dollars to be able to retire one day. If inflation stays at, it, at its current rate, they'll have to be able to accumulate several million dollars. And uh, that's, talk about spooky. That's pretty spooky. Of course, it's all related to inflation. Uh, inflation, typically, if, if wages keep up, they haven't been keeping up, by the way, lately. In the long run, they've kind of kept up a little bit, sometimes faster than others, but wages will be substantially higher 20, 30, 40 years from now. But if you're not, if you're not aware of the need to put this money away and to invest it, to run balanced accounts, try to match up your risk with the amount of uh, returns that you want to try to shoot for, that's a problem. It's a problem now. That problem is going to get a lot larger. Because the younger population is not quite as big as the older population is. So they'll have, you know, they're not going to have as many people paying into Social Security to help them out when they reach that age. So it's something that uh, I think is very beneficial. And incidentally, it's really never been all that great. I mean, when I started in the business like 30 years ago, 
I think 5% of the population, one out of 20, was able to retire without having to take a major cut in their lifestyle. One out of 20. In the, uh, um, I think it was, yeah, it was 5%. Roughly 5% were able to retire without cutting back on their lifestyle. In other words, they didn't stop going to Starbucks or driving the type of car they had or taking the vacations that they had. One out of 20. And about um, oh, 15% of them actually didn't make it to the end of the study because they, they studied from 22 to age 65. So you had about 15% that, that weren't there. And the rest of them wished they weren't there. <laughs> and it's a horrible joke. Yeah, i got to stop using that. But it's not really a joke. Those are statistics. That's just the way that I said it. It makes it even not funnier. <laughs> But uh, anyway, I'm thinking, uh, man, this seems like a really long segment. It is super quiet here today. Some of you guys uh, should should help a brother out, call in with a question, or just <laughs> just a comment. You can say happy, uh, Merry Christmas, or happy holidays, whatever you'd like. Yeah. Uh, sitting inside of a, a a space like this, talking to yourself for an hour, that's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> and especially, and I, I know a lot of people are probably uh, pretty pretty afraid of what's going on right now. And I'm, I'm here to tell you though, this is, this is garden variety. This is not a, an unusual correction. It's just that we haven't had a a good one like this for a few years now. And people forget, you know, that that's a natural part of the process. And I'm looking at a lot of stocks and going, wow, boy, that looks good. I think that looks really good. Um, uh, 10 years from now, probably, one or two years from now, people are going to be looking back and going, wow, boy, I really missed an opportunity there. It's a, this is a good deal. I think it's a, a probably one of the better deals that I've seen in maybe eight or ten years. Maybe eight or ten years. I hear the music. That means the, uh, I'm getting saved by a commercial break. I'm Bill Bullington. I'm here, right here on 1420. I'll be back right after these messages. Listen to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420 The Answer. Also, you can pick up this show as a podcast on 955thefish.com. And I uh, love the people here at Salem Communications. I'm going to go right to the phones now. And I got Jan. Jan, you have a question or comment? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, your average client, how many funds would uh, are they invested in? Just ballpark. It really depends. Uh, <laughs> they are all over the map. Um, but I would say an, a good number is if you've got like all the category, the major categories, international, emerging market, small, medium, large cap, okay, that's going to be a minimum of five. And, uh-huh. and typically it's probably more like eight. Mm-hmm. So. Is there any disadvantage to being invested in uh, 
a lot of funds. Well, if you don't know what's in the funds, yes, it's hard to track. Uh, you're duplicating paperwork. No, that's not a uh, thing that I, I look forward to. But uh, that would probably be the the only disadvantage. You get so many of them, it's too hard to follow. And uh-huh. and if you don't know what's in the funds, um, like if you don't look at the top holdings or the holdings in the funds and compare them, you probably have, have some overlap there. So uh-huh. you, you may not be as diversified as you think you are. So I've seen that happen quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I was just uh, I was just wondering because uh, uh, cost wise, uh, each fund each fund uh, you, you have to uh, pay pay uh, a certain. Oh, most of the funds we hold uh, don't charge commissions. The, uh, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yep. Well, well, that's that's interesting. But you're uh, and they have super 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 low expense ratios. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very good to know. Yep. That's uh, just uh, what I was wondering. <laughs> Thank you. Well, hey, thanks for calling. Merry Christmas. You Bye. too. Okay. Yeah, the uh, you have uh, lots of choices with us now. The, uh, so the expense ratios are incredibly small. The uh, a lot of most of the funds don't have a a charge. If they do have a charge, it's typically something like five bucks, um, four ninety five. So it's not a lot. And, Depending on the the firm that we use, uh, if we're going to have one of the more actively managed strategies, we use this firm called Folio Institutional, who doesn't charge a commission. They charge a quarter of a percent, and you can have as many transactions as you want. I mean, you can have thousands of them, and it's still only 0.25%. So that's pretty good. That's actually really good. And again, it depends. So we have people coming in with all different types of situations. Uh, all different types of risk tolerances. We have couples, we have sing, you know, singles, grandkids, yeah, you name it. So you have to be kind of flexible. And the underlying theme behind all this is you have to try to figure out what kind of risk, what kind of fluctuation you think you're going to be willing to put up with. That is not an easy question to answer. And it's the most important one. That is absolutely the most important question. How much fluctuation are you willing to accept? If you're going to be in stocks and you're not willing to accept a fairly high degree of fluctuation, I mean really high, you probably shouldn't be 100% in stocks. And I got a really good rule of thumb that's coming, I'm putting that together in this course I'm going to be selling uh, that uh, I'm putting it out there because I want people to have access to this information. Um, You can see exactly how I arrived at those numbers. It doesn't have anything to do with modern portfolio theory, which I'm not a huge fan of. I think there are some parts of it that are pretty good, but there are a lot of parts of it that are not good at all. And in fact, will cause people to make some mistakes because they don't understand exactly what they're being told or what they're reading. And that goes for a lot of advisors. A lot of advisors, they just pass the tests, you know, just give me the answers so I can get this license and, Start making money. Yeah, yeah, that's that. That's how that business, <laughs> that's how it worked. That's uh, one of the reasons I think when I started, only one out of 20 ever made it. The uh, the attrition rate was 95%. Can you believe that? Um, Yeah, kind of crazy. So anyway, this stuff, there's a lot to it, but if you focus on the fundamentals, you get the, the basics down really well, all that extra stuff, the really fancy stuff that I spend an awful lot of time learning, 
only to realize, yeah, I'm never going to use that again. <laughs> but at least I know how to do it. And at least I know why you should or shouldn't do that. that that's kind of a key. And a uh, large part of it is, is super simple. One of the, uh, in fact, I'll even give you a, a quick uh, preview last few minutes of this show. I use this formula to basically to, to evaluate risk in a stock. And what I'm looking at, it's called EBIT or earnings before interest and taxes. Okay. So you take the profits that they made, you add back the money they paid in tax, you add back the, the money they paid in interest expense. And I just hear my phone. That is hilarious. I thought for sure that was turned off. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So you look at the EBIT. You can look that number up. There's a uh, uh, different. There are different services, resources online available, and it's just a measure of cash. I think it's a little, my personal opinion, it's a little bit cleaner than looking at the earnings per share. And uh, I'll talk more about that at a later date. But for right now, it's just a measure of cash. And then you divide that by the cost of buying the entire business. And this is where I tend to get. Uh, pushback from people, but I'm not going to buy the entire business. Yeah, but if you don't know what the business is worth, how do you know what a share is worth? Come on. <laughs> and the reason I take that tone of voice is because I've been doing this for 30 years. <laughs> so if you don't know what the entire business is worth, how could you possibly know what one share is worth? You can't. It's impossible. You have to know how much that business is worth. Now, I'm not saying how much it's selling for. Anybody can see that. But if you don't know, if you don't have a general idea of what that business is worth, you have no knowledge whatsoever. You do not belong investing in stocks because you're going to get burned. Okay. So this knowledge, <laughs> this knowledge I'm, I'm, am I passionate about it? Yeah, I am. I hate to pe- see people throwing money out the window. That, that's a bummer. You're going to need that. And by the way, even when you know what you're doing, it's hard. It's impossible when you don't know what you're doing except by luck. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to in my career. It's not a large percentage. It's not a large percentage of the number of people I've talked to, but I've talked to an enormous number of people, probably one-tenth of one percent if I really looked at it, who put a lot of money into a company that turned into a whole lot more money. And then they held it and they gave most or all of their profits back at some point in time. And on paper, they were multimillionaires. And then they went down to under, uh, they went down to a, a few hundred thousand, which, and a lot of people go, well, they still had a few hundred thousand. Uh, did you remember what I talked about earlier in this show? You're going to take out four and a half percent on a million. That's $45,000. Does that seem rich? You think you're going to buy a jet on a $45,000 year income? Not a chance. Okay. So when you see something go down under a million bucks that used to be 10, that's kind of heartbreaking. <laughs> By the way, they wouldn't have made the big returns had they not taken that huge amount of risk. And but my point is, it's almost impossible to keep it if you don't know what you're doing. It's, it's almost impossible to keep that money unless you know what you're doing. And so, and if you did know what you were doing, incidentally, you may not ever hit that, take that 300,000. I'm thinking of, of one individual. The, uh, it was a $300,000 investment turned into 15 million bucks. You imagine that? 
we're gonna, it, it's a little under two now. That's a little under two. That's still really good. But it peaked 18 years ago. 18 years ago, it's worth $15 million. Today, it's worth under two. So if you take that 4.5% number again, that's $90,000. And I know everybody's going, well, they still got $90,000. Yeah, but see, the point is, <laughs> he goes from 300000 to $15 million to two. That is, the, uh, that is really tough to take. Now, had he invested just in regular stuff, he would have never gotten to $15 bucks. So if you want to take that shot, and by the way, like I said, <clears throat> that's probably less than one-tenth of 1% one of all the people that I've ever talked to have had something like that happen. It's still sad. And I've still met uh, at least a dozen, at least a dozen, not necessarily that extent, but the same sort of thing where they took a, a fairly significant amount of money, invested it, and it turned into a, a just a, an enormous amount of money. And then they gave all, if not most of it back at some point in time. They would have been able to avoid giving it back if they would have just known the fundamentals. And by the way, the, what kind of returns can you get doing this stuff? really depends on what the market does while you're invested. That has a big impact on it. But you want to keep up with financial markets, which almost nobody does. Almost nobody keeps up with the S&P 500 or the Dow, even the NASDAQ. The, uh, in the long run, they don't even keep up with uh, you know international markets, emerging markets. And I shouldn't say that like that because those markets are older than ours. And if you go back further, the international, especially the established like um, Western Europe, if you go back far enough, their their stock market returns are higher than ours are, which I found really interesting the, uh, when I was looking into that. So anyway, understand the fundamentals. Just get to know those things because it's going to help you for the rest of your life. At any rate, I hear the music. That means my show is definitely over. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good weekend. Happy holidays. Uh, from us at Bullington Capital, I will be back here next Saturday. Have a good week, good investing, and good luck. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.